0: Good morning, so glad that you're here. My name's Gerald, and I'm the lead pastor here, and I just want to say welcome uh, to you today. We're continuing this series called Heaven, and uh, today my message is titled Heaven uh, Heaven Isn't Too Far Away, but it's kind of like a song, right? Remember that song? Uh, if you missed last week, oh, you missed it. I wish we could replay it, but uh, we, our, our band did a bunch of songs that had the word heaven in them, and it was so uh, it was so much fun. One of the things we said last week though, is that we, uh, we live toward what we look forward to in life. Like we, we, we live toward what we look forward to in life. We point ourselves toward the things that we look forward to. This is true. This is sort of true in a lot of different areas of our life. In fact, I was thinking about this. I, I, I play golf, I like to play golf. And so I started playing when I was like 12 years old. And one of the things that's true about golf is that you, you sort of hit toward what you see. Like if you're looking at the water hazard, you're probably gonna hit it in the water hazard, okay? If you're looking toward the sand trap, you're probably gonna hit it in the sand trap. You kind of hit toward what you, what you see. Now, uh, that's true in basketball too. Like you, kinda, you gotta look at what you're aiming at, right? I mean, it's kind of an obvious thing. It's also true in driving. Like if you're driving a car, you ever been like, you get distracted and you start looking at something off on the side of the road, like, oh, there's a, there's a horse. And your, your car starts like going in that direction. And then you gotta straighten up really quick. You, you, you point yourself toward things and you just kind of go there. Well, it's true in, in life that we live toward what we look forward to in life. And what we said last week was this, that the thing we ought to look forward to the most is, is actually heaven. Like we, we set our sights too low. We set our sights too low in, in our world. And, uh, and, and what we also said was that it's not that we don't think about heaven enough, it's that we don't think enough about heaven. Like we don't think highly enough about about heaven. We don't really understand what it's going to be like. And so we are talking about that with this series. We're going to try to take this, this high view of heaven, what the Bible says about heaven. And we said that there are some realities of heaven too. Like we talked about this last week as well, that the realities of heaven are like this, that, that, that heaven is, is now, but it's in another place. And uh, and it's also here, but it's at another time. And, it, and it's also here and now, but it's in another place in another way, and we're gonna, we're gonna kind of make sense of that starting uh, last week really, but today, and then next week um, as, as well. The Bible talks about, uh, like to a specific group of people, when Jesus is talking uh, to people, he's talking to uh, of people with a Hebrew background, and, and we don't typically have that, so we tend to think about life like this, like there's a life, and there's an afterlife, or, or, or there's like life and death, he was talking to a group of people who thought about things in terms of more, more like the word age, like the, the, to this age and then the age to come and then the age that was. And so he, they, they think about things differently than we do. They were, they were thinking about things like community and, and tradition and, and history and, and their connection to all of those things. And, and, uh, and so when Jesus spoke about heaven, which he did quite a bit, he talked about this age and he talked about the age to come. He said, there's gonna be this age and in this age, he said, he's gonna have to hang with me with this. In this age, there's a, there's a present heaven and a present earth. And those are two distinct things in th- this age right now, the age we're living in right now. He said there's going to be an age that comes, there's going to be an age that comes where there's a new heaven and, and a new earth. And we're going to talk about that more next week. But there's a new heaven and a new earth and they, they converge together here and, and it's going to be this amazing thing. But in this age right now, which we're talking about today, there's like a present heaven and a present earth and they're, and they're kind of separated even though this present heaven and the, the, the new age are kind of they, they have a lot of overlap. Um but but here's kind of kind of where we are right now. And I'm gonna use my whiteboard. Again, in my incredible drawing skills. We, we said last week this, that heaven, we tend to think of it like, like um, there's like a, we tend to think there's like a gate, right? There's, and uh, just pretend like that's a gate, right? We, we tend to think, we, I mean, we talk about that, right? There, there's clouds. And um, we talked about other things last week too, like our culture tends to think that there's like a, there's like a mansion, there's mansions in heaven, there's gold streets in heaven. And, and so this is kind of like our, our view of, of heaven. But there's also um, the Bible would say there's 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 this uh, there's the present heaven, right? Okay, and then, there, and then there's the present earth, like like there's the the world that we live in. Clearly, this is the earth. I'm gonna I'm gonna um, can I even do I even know how to do this? I don't know. <laughs> this is this is uh, yeah yeah wait yeah there we go. This is this is uh, I mean clearly that's the United States, right? And then we got Europe over here. <laughs> we got. We are right here, okay? Right here. You're, you're with me, right? You get that? The, the, present, the present earth. And then actually, what the Bible says too, that there's, is that there's another reality, another sort of spiritual reality. And um, it talks about something called hell, okay? And that's a flame, sorry. Um, so there's this present heaven, this present earth. And, and, and so um, here's sort of this spiritual reality that the Bible paints for us right now. Now, um, let me say this to I said this last week. This is no news. And I, I, you know, I'm sorry to have to say this, but we're all going to die, right? <laughs> I mean, we're all going to die. That's pretty much, pretty much 100% chance of that. And, and what the scriptures will tell us is that, hey, if you if you trusted Jesus, you're going to be with him in heaven. You're going to be able to exist with him forever and be present with him um, in heaven. And so there's a couple of places I wanna talk to you today from the Bible about what it says and how it describes this present heaven and what it looks like. And we're gonna do that through the eyes of a guy named John. John uh, was a disciple of Jesus. He was one of the closest friends of Jesus. In fact, in uh, October, we're gonna do a series on the book of John, which is the the gospel of John. And we're gonna go through, I kinda super excited about that series, but John was one of these guys who uh, had this intimate connection with Jesus. And so he's also one of the ones who, one of the only disciples who really made it to, to a later age in, in life. And so uh, he gives us this picture of heaven in the book of Revelation. It's the last book in the, in the Bible. And so we've got this guy who was friends with all of these people who gave their life up for their faith, like they were martyred for their faith. And so he is reflecting on them and he's sort of like sad and emotional about that. He's missing his friends and he's wondering what uh, life is gonna be like after this is all over and he's seen so much in his life and he also has seen this, this faith, Christianity, explode into the world and so then um, God decides, I'm gonna give you this picture of what heaven is like. I'm just gonna give you like a glimpse and I want you to write this down. And so in Revelation chapter six, we get a couple of verses where John says, he, here's, here's kind of what it's like. Here's what this present heaven is like. And it starts like this. It says, when he opened the fifth seal, he says, I, and so, so he's getting this vision. I saw under the altar, the souls of those who had been slain because of the word of God and the testimony that they had maintained. And these could even be some of his friends that he'd seen martyred for their, for their faith. So he sees this picture of these people who had trusted Jesus and followed Jesus and they're, they're there under the altar and, and they'd been slain because of, because of the word of God and the testimony that they had maintained. So what they had said, they had, they had preached Jesus, they had spoken up, they had stood up for him and because of that they were killed. And then it goes on, he, he sees this. They called out in a loud voice, how long sovereign Lord, holy and true? until you judge the inhabitants of the earth. And avenge our blood. So they're calling out to God, um, and they're and they this idea like, how long, Sovereign Lord? Like they're begging Him, are You going to do something? Something's got to happen. When are You going to come? When are You going to judge the inhabitants of this earth and, and avenge our blood? They they say like, when are You going to do something? And so they're pleading with with God, and they've experienced this pain, they've experienced this martyrdom, and they're seeing others experience it as well. And so there's this this struggle that's going on there. How long, God, are You going to? Uh, is it going to take for you to do this and then it says that uh, each of them was given a white robe and they were told to wait a little longer just be patient right until the full number of their fellow servants their brothers and sisters were killed just as they had been and so you, um, you, you sort of realize uh, like what it's saying is that there's gonna be this sacrifice that has to be made, but it's small when, when there's all this to look forward to ahead. Last week I had a, um, if you were here, I had uh, a $100 bill and I said, hey, um, uh, th- this is worth a lot. I mean, it's a hundred bucks, it's a lot, but what if you had an unlimited supply of money? What would you do with a hundred? It would almost be like nothing. You would be, it would be so easy to give it away. And that's like our life in Christ. That our our life in Jesus is is this unlimited uh, eternal perspective with these these eternal riches that are offered and given to us. And and so therefore, our life here should be looked at a little bit differently. It's a little easier than maybe to just give it away, to invest in people and to invest in what God has for us. But we learn some things here about heaven. We learn a couple things. One of them is this. We learn that heaven is a physical place that this present heaven is a physical place. There are souls, there's an, there's an altar. You see that the loud voices are spoken. There's, they have these white robes and, and there's this idea that it's a physical place. It's not just this spiritual place, it's an actual physical place is what it's describing. It also says this about heaven. What we learn is that there's, there's knowledge in heaven, like there's, there's knowledge to be gained. It's not like you automatically know everything, but, but they are say, they're asking him questions. They're asking God like, how long? How long? That's because they don't know the answer. So they're saying, how long is this going to be? And, and they can remember things. It talks about their testimony. And so it says, so that means they can remember things from earth. It's not like there's this complete disconnect. So there's knowledge that they have. This other idea is this, that, that, that there's participation going on. Like, like it's a participatory thing in heaven. Um, Hebrews chapter 12 says, says this. It'd be a great chapter to read sometime. It says that there are people of the faith who are cheering you on right now. There are heroes of the faith that are cheering us on. And that means that there's some awareness of what's going on on earth in heaven and that they're participating. They're, they're pulling for you. And, and people that you know who know Jesus, who have passed on, like they're pulling for you now. They're cheering you on. And, and lifting you up, it's a really amazing thing that there's this, um, in heaven there's this participation that's going on and then the, the, it also says this in these verses that they're waiting to like enjoy their family and their friends. There, there, there's a waiting that is going on right now. And then he says, then we start to see there's these benefits of heaven and one of the benefits is that there's this separation of the body and the soul. Like, like this is gonna go away. All right, now the Bible said we're talking about more next week, there's going to be a new body, but the older I get, the more I'm glad, right? Like, like this is going away. There's going to be like a separation of, of, of body and soul. In this, in this future heaven, we're going to get a new body. It also says there's another benefit that the relocation of that soul to heaven, like the relocation of my soul, uh, if I know Jesus, to heaven. And then there's this idea of liberation of my soul from sin. That my, my soul's been liberated from sin. So the oppression that sin brings, the struggle that sin brings, the temptation that sin brings, all of that, there's going to be, the, the brokenness that sin brings, there's going to be freedom from that. And then there's this, this idea that, that, that there's going to be this reconnection with our loved ones. This reconnection with our loved ones. My father died in 2020 uh, it, during the during sort of COVID world, not of COVID, he had Parkinson's. But... Um, Gosh, I'm so excited to think about reconnecting with him, right? And, and, and people that you know uh, that have passed on, you're, the, the scriptures talk about reconnecting with those people, waiting for them. And, and so, and then there's this, another benefit is just this satisf- satisfaction that we're given in God's presence. Like there's going to be a moment where there's going to be a time where you are completely in God's presence and it's going to be different than it is now. If you know Christ, you know him, and you have the Holy Spirit within you. But it's going to be completely to another level. This satisfaction that we find in God's presence is going to be amazing and overwhelming. There's this picture in the New Testament uh, over and over that you get when it talks about somebody dying. You know what it says? It says, most of the time, it says that that person fell asleep. That person fell asleep, right? Like, like it's, this, it's this idea in the New Testament even that, that the, the writers were saying, it's just like sleep. Like, like you're gonna, there's gonna be a moment where you die, yes, but you're gonna wake up. It's not an ending, they just fell asleep. And it's this perspective of the, of the, uh, that the Bible gives us of human beings as eternal. Like, like you're going to just, it's just gonna feel like you fell asleep. So with all of that in mind, I wanna go back to this verse that we shared last week in the book of Colossians chapter three. We started at the beginning of, of this passage and, and, and basically Paul is, is talking to us and he's saying, hey, what I want you to do is to set your sights higher. Like we tend to set our sights low and, and we tend to think about, well, that next job or that next relationship or when I retire or the things I need to save and do. And, and he's saying, set your sights higher than that. And, And so um, in in, in Colossians chapter 3, he starts, uh, remember he said this, since you've been raised with Christ, like you have been raised with Christ, when you come to know him, he's raised you up with him, seated beside him, which is so incredible, it's just grace, it's nothing you deserve, nothing you earn, nothing I earned, but it's grace. But he says, since that is the case, set your hearts on things above So so since since you've been raised with him already, you have the capacity now to set your hearts and set your minds on things that are above, not just on earth. That's where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. And then he says this, um, set your minds on things above. He says again, not on earthly things. He's like, you're, 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 you're setting your sights too low sometimes when you set your sights just on earthly things. In verse three, it says that you died. Like, actually what happened was, when you came to Christ, you, you died with him, your, your, your old self died with him, and you were raised again with him, and your life is now hidden with Christ and God. In fact, that's this picture of what baptism is. I'm going to talk about that a little more in a minute. But this idea that, that uh, you go into the water, and you're dead in your sin, and it's this picture of this, that when you come out, you're raised into new life with him. It's this beautiful thing that every Christ follower should do. And then he, and then he goes on in verse four, he says, when Christ who is your life. He's now your life. Like life comes from him. When he appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. That there's this, this beautiful new thing that's, that's happening. And so with that in mind, okay. Then Paul turns a corner and he says, now, now, now because of all of that, I'm gonna, I'm gonna give you some things that I wanna call you to. And it's a high standard, he says. And this is gonna be kinda like some in your face up, but that's what Paul does. chapter, I mean, verse five, he says, this, put to death therefore whatever belongs to your earthly nature. That you've got this earthly nature now and it still, it still is there, but you've got this new nature now too, but, but the earthly nature is calling you into things like this, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires and greed, which is idolatry. And what he's saying is this, when you, when you look at somebody in that way, When you um, hook up with somebody in that way, when you set your sights on these things, you're setting your sights too low. You're setting your standard too low. You're setting your sights way too low and you're looking for this like counterfeit version of intimacy. This counterfeit version of true intimacy. And what that actually does is it brings on brokenness and invites brokenness and hurt and pain into your life and other people's lives as well. And he's holding up this standard. He's saying and when it comes to sexual things, monogamy, purity, what that does is it brings heaven down to earth. Like, like that's this glimpse of what heaven on earth looks like. And he, and he also says not only those things, he says greed. And we don't often think of ourselves as greedy people. He says it's idolatry, greed is idolatry, but what do we call the dollar, right? We We call the dollar the almighty dollar. It's known as the almighty dollar and it's almost this worshipful word. The, the almighty dollar, because it's so easy to fall into worshiping money with our lives. And you might not use that word, worship, but we, we will often become enslaved to it, almost. And, and some of us are just pursuing it and pursuing it and pursuing it. In fact, C.S. Lewis, uh, in his great little book, The Screwtape Letters, he's, he talks about it like this. He says, prosperity, what does prosperity do? Now, prosperity is not bad in and of itself. But what it does, it can do, is it knits a man to the world. He feels that he's finding his place in it while really it's finding its place in him. It's a dangerous thing. We've got to be aware of what our hearts are leaning towards, what our hope is put in, what we are actually worshiping. Um, Paul goes on to say, say this in Colossians 3, it says verse 6, because of these things, the wrath of God is coming because of these things. The wrath of God is coming. Verse seven it says that, that you used to walk in these ways in the life you once lived. These are the things that you used to do, uh, and 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 you didn't even have a choice. But now, now that you know Jesus, now that you've been raised up with Him, He says you must also rid yourselves of all such things as these: anger, rage, malice, slander, and filthy language from your lips. And then verse nine, he says this, don't lie to each other since you have taken off your old self with its practices. Do not lie to each other. And like you've taken it with those practices and you've put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge, in the image of its creator. And so there's this idea that like, here's, here's, um, I I apologize. This is terrible. Um, Here's you. That's you. I mean, yeah, that looks like you. Um, here's you, and 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 here, there's these two things warring against you and me. One of them is the sinful nature. There's you and the sinful nature there, and and the things that that it is pointing us toward are are like. Pleasure and power and, and prosperity. And it is inviting us into these things. Now, each of these things is not bad on its own, but sinful nature is inviting us to see these things as everything in our lives. Okay? And, and where that is leading is a place of chaos and brokenness and really hell. Our sinful Nature, But then um, it's, it's at war with what the Bible also calls the new nature. That when you come to know Jesus, you have a new nature now. A new nature in him that he's just described. And what's happening is that there's this sort of like, Like if this is, there's this unseen world going on, like this is the unseen world here, this is the unseen world here, and this is pulling us in this direction, and this is pulling us in this direction. And it's almost like that picture, you know, of the devil on one shoulder and the angel on the other, and one's whispering in your ear, and one's, there's this idea that, that one wants to influence us, the sinful nature is trying to influence us with pleasure and power and prosperity, because what it knows is that that will ultimately, if that's the only pursuit in life, it will ultimately Destroy us. It will ultimately destroy us that our sinful nature leads us to pursue those things. But here's the like, the wild thing is this Paul's saying, These things, pleasure, power, and prosperity, (coughs) those are promised in heaven. Like, these are things that are promised to us in heaven, but when we pursue them only here on earth, it's when it pulls us into an awful, awful place and it pulls up pain and hurt and destruction into our lives. So we got to get to this point where we say and look around, you know, you can look around and go, well, there's so many other people that seem to be just loving it, right? I mean, they're, they're, they're having so much of these things, and I, and, and I just don't even think it's exactly fair because they don't seem to be having a problem. And, and uh, we've got to be able to get to a point where we say, that's, that's okay. That's okay because when you pursue these things here, it simply leads to a place of destruction. And, and I, would, I would challenge you. I would say, hey, if you know some people who, I mean, like, like, ask some people who have done this, who have simply pursued, you know, made sexual pleasure everything in their life or made um, prosperity everything in their life and ask them when they're honest, they'll say it brought in all kinds of hurt and pain and destruction into my world. But there's this, there's this contrast that Paul says, and in, in starting in like verse 10, 11, he, he says, here there's no Gentile or Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian, scythian, slave or all. He's like, There's no difference in all of us anymore, in any of us anymore, but Christ is all and is in all. He's the one thing that is the difference maker. Do you know Jesus or not? And then he says in 12, therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, Clothe, here's what here's what we're called to do. This is like the new nature at work. Clothe yourselves with compassion and kindness and humility and gentleness and patience. These are the things you ought to put on like a jacket. You're capable of doing that now. And he says, bear with each other. This is another thing you put on. Bear with each other and forgive one another. If any of you has a grievance against someone, forgive as the Lord forgave you. Forgive. One another, I mean, like, like we're supposed to forgive every, for everyone, anyone. And what does anyone mean? It means like anyone, anyone. And he tells us why, because Jesus has forgiven you, because Christ has forgiven me. That gives me the power to forgive others in my life. And I get it, like, that is really hard in some situations, isn't it? Really, really hard. God's saying, I got you. I can give you the strength to do what you think is humanly impossible. And so, uh, bear with all right, forgive as the Lord forgave you and over all these virtues, put on love. Like love is the thing that is the the biggest motivator, the biggest part of this, which binds them all together. It puts all these things together. It makes all of them work in perfect unity. And he closes this section by saying that he wants the peace, like let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. Since as members of one body you were called to peace and be thankful. So let the peace of Christ rule. There's this word, it's like it's a governance type of word. Let it it rule in your life. What is governing your heart? What is governing your life? And so, like like in its Galatians chapter 5, it says there's a war going on between, you know, for you, between your new nature and your and your sinful nature, and this is inviting us into what? Into like love and grace and peace and that leads to bringing heaven into earth. Yet there's this new nature that that allows us to be able to pursue love and peace and grace. And we we invite that into our lives when we simply surrender. Some of you have said, I surrender to you, Jesus. Um, Maybe some of you haven't. That is his invitation, it's not simply to know about him, it's to surrender to him. His invitation is to do that. And when we do that, it allows God to redeem and restore. It allows him to begin to redeem and to restore uh, what, what he can uh, and, and allows him to start to bring heaven, some of heaven, like a little bit of heaven to earth. And when we begin to pursue life in our new nature with love and grace and peace, it starts to pull some heaven down into our lives down into your world, and that kind of rolls off of you and onto the people around you. Rolls off of you and onto the people, and it's a beautiful thing when you're around somebody who has pulled love and grace and truth and peace down into their world, and and it's this idea that what is ruling your life? That passage said, let let the peace of God rule. Let his love rule in your life. It's like, what is governing your life? Because because when when it's self-rule, When I'm governing myself, I'm gonna pull in chaos, I'm gonna pull in struggle, I'm gonna pull in hurt, and I'm gonna pull a little bit of hell right up into my life. That's simply how it works. Whether you believe that or not, right? I mean, there's just some things that are true whether you believe them or not. They just, like oxygen that we breathe, right? You can believe in it or not, but it doesn't, it's, it's here. It's true. This is how life works. If you're living for yourself and, and, and following self-rule, you're going to pull chaos and hell up into your world. It can't be avoided. You know, like everything is spiritual. I mean, everything in your life and my life is spiritual. Sexuality is spiritual. Your money, your finances are spiritual. Your, your career, uh, your, your purpose in life, your relationships, your priorities, everything is spiritual. And we can either bring heaven down or bring hell up every single day of our life lives. And, and, and let me just say this, like if, if you're um, kind of in that camp where you think, uh, yeah, you know, that's just what, that's what some book says, this is all there is, it's all I see, so this is all there is, right? This is, the world is all that there is. And if that's where you are, if that's what you really believe, and that there's nothing after this, and we just kind of dissolve into nothing, I would say, like, <clears throat> go for it, right? Like, have at it. In fact, Paul says this in the New Testament, he goes, uh, if, if none of this happened, like if the resurrection didn't happen, then we're all fools to be doing what we're doing. So if that's where you are, and that's really what you believe, I mean, go for it, and maybe you're living that way right now. But, but could I just say this? If that's where you are, you're in real danger of pulling um, hell up into your life. You're in real danger of pulling chaos and hurt into your life, ask people who've done it. Don't, don't, don't trust me on that, ask people who have done it. Um, things like wealth, there's, there's not a problem with wealth. It could be a good thing. Things like um, uh, pleasure, that's a good thing, right? Uh, things like influence, and, and those are good things, so it's not a problem, it's only um, when our hope is in it. It's only when you put your trust in it that it becomes a problem. It's only when you put your hope in these things that they become, they become problems. Um, What you set your sights on is the ruler of your life. What you set your sights on, right, like sights, that equals the ruler. What are you setting your sights on today? we're given a new nature, there's this taste of heaven that we can have, and uh, you know, you're know, you also like a billboard. Like your life is a billboard, my life is a billboard, so you're not the only one you see, there are other people who see, who see you. So, so can I ask this as, as the church, as people of the church, if you know Christ, let me just talk to you for a minute. What do people see us putting our hope in? What do, what do those around us in our community see us putting our, our hope in? And is it really any different than what the world is doing? Is it really any different? Because sometimes I think, you know, I, and I'm guilty of this for sure, uh, we look more forward to a vacation than we do heaven. Because we don't have this clear picture of what is really going on. We look more, you know, more forward to our retirement than we do what heaven is going to be um, like Uh, This rope, um, this this red section here, you see it? That's like your life, here. That's like my life here. That's about the extent of it. And, and, And what we tend to do is we live for this part alone, so often, like we just live for this section. And and the wild thing is, we'll, we'll be like back here and we'll go, man, I'm gonna save and save and do everything I can do to get like right here because that moment right there is gonna be amazing and we're gonna enjoy it so much. And yet our eternity is here and it goes on and on and on and yet some of us only live for this little moment. I mean, how like crazy is that, right? And I'm speaking to me too. How crazy is it that that we focus only on this part instead of all that is to come? The, 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 The invitation from Jesus is to go, you know what, like, All of this is getting ready to happen and so I'm gonna live all of my days here with this in mind, with the rest of it in mind. That's the only thing that makes sense. I'm gonna focus on what's to come, not just what's here because you know what? There's gonna come a day really quick where we're gonna look back at this and go, wow, that happened fast. What did I do with this to leverage this? Not only in my own life, but in the people's lives around me. Um, Randy Alcorn wrote a book called Heaven, and I would highly recommend it if you're interested in digging into this more. But he says this, he says, God uses suffering and impending death to unfasten us from this earth and to set our minds on what lies beyond. And if you've gone through suffering or if you've gone through a death close to you, you know exactly what he means. Jesus invites us to pray. Jesus says, hey, pray this, your kingdom come, your will be done, like like on earth as it is in heaven. In other words, invite heaven here. Invite heaven here. Do that with your life. Invite heaven here to this place. Paul is saying in Colossians and in other places, play the long game, like play the long game, aim higher. It's not worth it to aim only at these three things because you know what will happen? Eventually you won't have these. But when you aim higher, you're going to end up with these anyway, in the long game. Paul's saying, play the long game. In fact, one of the things he says, this is the last verse I'll share with you today, from Philippians. Paul says this, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. That was his perspective. That was him looking at the whole thing and going, wow, to, from, to live is Christ, to die is gain. Now, it sounds super spiritual, and maybe uh, you think that's only for the professional Christians, okay? That's not true. That's this perspective. I'm going to leverage everything about this one little life into eternity. To live as Christ and to die as gain. Can I just ask this and and, and just be honest with, with yourself today? Like if people don't see the hope of heaven in our lives, if people around us, the people that you know and love, don't see the hope of heaven in your life, where are they going to see it? Where are they going to... See it. Um, where's your hope right now? Like, where's my hope? Where's our hope? I, I, I don't want this to happen, you know, when, when I get to heaven and I, I, I don't want to meet somebody there who says, wait a second, you knew and you didn't tell me? Like you knew about this reality and you didn't say anything to me? People in your life right now, people in my life right now, and let's just ask the question if not you, then who? If not me, then who? If not you, then 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 who? Must be people who reflect the reality of Jesus and the reality of heaven in our lives and the reality that this thing's eternal and this is just the beginning. If not you, then who? Um, baptism is a way to do that. One way that you can do that is baptism, because what it says is this, I'm a citizen of heaven. Like when you say yes to baptism, you're saying I'm a citizen of heaven. My heart and my life are focused there. We celebrate that regularly here because we just think it's so important to celebrate this life change that's happening. And Jesus invites all of us to do it. Um, in fact, there's a, in a couple weeks, we're gonna have a baptism event. You can go to our website and register for it right now. If you've never done that, please step forward because what you're saying is I'm putting heaven first. Like I'm living in light of heaven. And that's a picture of this. Thanks again for listening. You can find out more about Love Lake Norman at lovelkn.org. If you live in our area, we would love to have you join us on Sunday. If you're not near our church, we want to encourage you to find a life-giving church to be a part of where you live. That will be a key next step on your spiritual journey. Please take a minute, subscribe to this podcast, and keep up to date with our weekly messages. And thanks again for joining the Love Lake Norman podcast.